0: This is how it feels. We are electric eels going around like a wonder wheel. Round, round, round bees. We're in the Sight Pen Podcast, soul. episode 10. We've made it to double digits. Actually, we've always been triple digits. Well, there's a lot of zeros at the beginning.
1: Well, the first episode was 74, so. <laughs> That's we're a good actually...
0: point. We're going to get. It's, things going to get really weird when we get up to 74. We're going to skip over it. And all of our adoring fans will be like, what's going on? Actually, the really hardcore fans will know because they will be have been with us from the beginning. So that's good news. Um, I'm the host, apparently, Tory Rice. With the most? With the, no, with the least. Oh, the least. Have you, have you listened to the show? <laughs> <laughs> and that adorable young fellow is Neil Roberts.
2: I'm just happy to be here.
0: And another adorable young cowboy who is looking at me through Skype video is Nick Deasy. Hey,
2: hey. He's dancing.
0: He is dancing. And the less adorable Paul Shannon is also here.
2: I former title. former rock star. Is that,
0: that lucky you're going for? Just to A- be clear. Aged,
3: aged out. Aged out rock star.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you know how this works, Neil. But when I say someone's name and then they talk, it's to introduce the audience to put a name to the voice and when i just said paul you then started talking <coughs> which defeated the entire purpose so once again here's paul shannon
4: the lovely Hello, everybody paul shannon. no you
1: sorry <laughs> <laughs> nick,
4: nick,
0: nick we just talked it. about this we that wasn't just we that's why he needs to introduce himself oh, nick introduce yourself I it's okay up. wait not everybody nick, wants paul. to be me i get it oh. <laughs>
3: I'm, I'm the real Paul Shady. Uh, I guess everybody wants to be me. But, this is uh, what happens when one. I let him
0: introduce himself. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me, Tori. Oh, thanks for being here. Boy, this is starting off with a bang. Um, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Um, do you guys, do you know what's really hard to do? Make websites. Have you ever tried to make a website? It's hard. I try, you've got to do all uh, this code, and it's then impossible. there's like FTPs, and you got to have a host, and it's all this technical babble that no one really understands. Well, with Squarespace, you can actually just use an online system to just drag and drop, and just it's what you see is what you get. You just type it in, you press save, and bam, you are on the internet. Isn't that amazing, you guys? You're viral.
1: You're on to my secret weapon.
0: Yes. So, if you like, um, if you don't like doing web development, as I'm sure you probably don't, because you're listening to this podcast, um, check out Squarespace, and um, you know, let them know that we sent you by uh, putting in promo code. Um, I don't like JavaScript. There's a I Think, a parodies, I think parodies
3: are supposed to be like really funny and not sad. That wasn't not a parody. Possible. Wait, that was a parody. They, yeah. they sponsored
0: the it show. Was... <laughs> They gave us money. Well, actually, oh, yeah? I'm sorry. I gave them money as part of a settlement for parodying <laughs> their preemptive parodying. Fair so. use.
1: How's that FanDuel suit coming along?
0: <laughs> you know, once they get that settled and we can get our payout money, like that's the thing is I gambled all of our money from them. Um
2: I thought you were and, talking about the suit that Tori made that says FanDuel in, in no, no, yeah, big that's stitching what, across the back.
0: It is, it is. No, he's talking, yeah. I had that suit and I took it to one of their big events and uh, I gambled all of the money that they were going to give us. Uh, so it was uh, it was uh, $42.77 and I put it all on... Um, Aaron Rodgers to really come through there in the playoffs. And it, it just, it didn't pan it was a bad out. Idea. Yeah. yeah. And then I took the remaining, it was a 50 50 game. So I had a little bit left. And then I put it all on Peyton Manning to throw four touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Um, so we, we're out of money. Actually, this podcast is broke, which is why I went to Squarespace. Um, so, anyways, why don't somebody talk about something that's actually interesting to the people listening. Hello, people listening. Thank you for listening. Nick, what are you going to tell us about today?
1: I wanted to talk about the spread operator. I'm not sure if we've covered that much here, but it's something new to the language, and it's pretty awesome, actually. Um, So the spread operator is the ellipsis in front of a variable name, uh, inside of a either a function or inside of a, a function call or inside of a uh, array, and it takes uh, and the variable name itself is an array or array-like object, I think, and it takes that array and spreads it out into arguments that can then be passed to that function or into that other array. So it's it's pretty cool. You can take things and um, spread them out. So. An example would be like console.logs or a really cool example would be with uh, if you wanted to add something to an array and return a new instance of the array, you could do like create a clone of it or call slice on the array and then push the new um, value onto that array. Or you could just create a new array, literal, spread the uh, existing array inside of that and then after that just add in the... Uh, new value or values that you want to add to it and make it really easy to work with. Now that's pretty cool on its own um, because that kind of makes it really easy to do things where you don't want to mutate the existing array, you just want to create a new one and return it. It's a really short syntax to do that. But there's also, um, I think with a plugin in Babel right now, if you add in the transform-object-rest
0: spread we all, we all know plugin. how much we love the javascript plugins
1: <laughs> yeah well yeah I, I was using trying to get this to work forever and i that couldn't figure sense. it out that yeah <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't figure it out and it turns out that it's because it's not actually part of the um the babel default es 2015 plugin in babel 6 it's an additional plugin that you have to add in uh to get it to work but you can actually spread out uh objects so it'll take the um, you could you could like spread out an object inside of another object literal to create a clone of that object, and then add in additional properties after that, or overrides to the properties inside of the um, the original object, and then return a new object with that. So that could be where you a great example of that would be where you want to have uh, an options object, and that's passed in by the user or passed into the function and then you want to use something to mix in the defaults with that so that you have default values and the overrides that the user provides where well, you could spread out the defaults and the user provided options and then return a new object that contains them both combined together
3: Is that standard in ECMA 6? No <laughs> which is ah, why you right. a plugin. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: there's to plug it a gonna,
0: Is it standard in something ever? Is it going to be?
1: I mean, it's about as standard as you can get with a Babel plugin.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, like, is it, is it like a proposed?
1: Yes. Yeah. It's proposed. There's a proposal out there for it right now. Um, Hopefully it does get, uh, get into JavaScript, but uh, yeah, you can use it today with that plugin in Babel.
2: How does the transpiler deal with that?
1: Um, I don't know. What do you mean?
2: Like what is it what what's the code that it produces to do some of these things?
3: Ooh, quiz time. You know,
0: it's just magic. No, you, I don't. So he's right. never looked.
3: Put me on the spot here, you Nail. Know.
0: I'm always curious Nick, about that stuff.
3: Does it take care of symbols as well, Nick?
0: Probably. Or is it just properties?
1: Uh good question. I don't actually know. I was just quiz using time. it for a very yeah. simple thing. Um it's like mixin. you know, if, if you're yeah. familiar with Dojo. Uh, I was using it for basically that uh, purpose and it it was just a single line that I had to write, and it was really fast and really easy. And that's all I did, and you called me out. I didn't get any more complicated than that.
0: So you said it uses a, an ellipsis character. Do you <coughs> actually have to get the ellipsis character, or can you just do dot, dot,
1: dot? Dot, 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 yeah. Okay,
0: good, because that's kind of annoying when I found out that that's actually a character also. Yeah. Um, and you hold
1: down the dot key on your keyboard, on your virtual keyboard on your iPhone, and then it...
0: You go up and over to the left. Well, that'll help me because I do a lot of coding on my iPhone. Nick so does gonna...
3: all his coding
2: on the iPhone. Yeah. And if you if you write it's, 139 solid. character tweet and you want to
0: trail off at the end, yep. you use ellipsis character.
1: So that's only one character. Yeah.
0: That's a good point. I just tend to trail off in general. So, You finished your sentence.
2: I was so excited for that joke.
0: <laughs> I'll cut it out in a in post. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I oh, can't, that's I can you, you mentioned it. have never done that. I, we can I cut won't. this
3: out too. I'll cut this out too. <laughs> so, so Nick, with a spread operator, do you know? Does it cover holes?
1: Um,
0: Nick I... doesn't know anything about it. You guys, he used it once.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> does no, anyone out there listening know? Send us, send us a, a tweet. You could tweet us at SitePen. You could tweet Nick at Nick an ISI. You could tweet me. But I will just forward it to Nick, because I don't know. Uh, at itory. And uh, let's see. Neil, you're at potted meat. True. Paul, Shana, yes. I have no idea.
3: Yes, it does. Developer Paul.
0: Developer it Paul. Does. Okay. okay, it does. Oh, there we go. We don't even if need to. Never mind. Holes, don't contact us. We have the answer already.
1: <laughs> if you never have holes, it does the, they will still be there. So if I had an array with one, two, and then uh, undefined or or empty, comma four, uh then the exi- the array that's returned from that will still have that undefined in there.
0: That's good stuff. Undefined is my favorite. Um, yeah. I, I see it a lot in my console output. Um, I
2: like that you can redefine undefined. That's my favorite part of JavaScript. You can. Huh. Yeah. You can Never you can assign something
3: to undefined. Yep. So you have to write you have to run an iffy to get back undefined you should, you should always just create an iffy that runs a function automatically and then pull off a function argument past the last one to get back undefined. It's great. That should be every every, every function should have that if you're going to use undefined.
0: <laughs> that sounds like I need to rework some of my code now. That's good. That's good stuff. So one last thing on spread, or I mean, we can continue talking. No, about go ahead. I mean, what did you look up while we were talking about this? <laughs> You caught me again. This is good preparation we have here. <laughs> <laughs> you had a three day weekend. Video. You had a three day weekend to do this, and
1: I did. I didn't. was doing other things. It's it's okay. Um, it's available pretty much everywhere. Um, so Node five, actually, so the latest Node, and then Chrome forty eight, uh, Firefox forty four, Edge thirteen, uh, but not IE at all.
0: What about Windows Phone?
1: That's still a thing? Uh,
0: Well, they sponsored us, so probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you. Um, So speaking of well-prepared, before we started this, uh, Paul wanted to talk uh, today about ambient declarations, and he swore that he put a whole bunch of notes in the Etherpad that we had for that, and they're not there. But going back in time, um, I felt like Maury Povich because it, turns out that that is that is false there there were no there were no notes in there but neil's notes that were somewhere. probably there are also not there and i don't <laughs> know what happened <laughs> just in, and all of nick's prep is gone too so um but it's a good thing you know you already have all this stuff in your head so why don't you take it away paul
3: so yeah i wanted to talk about ambient declarations and i totally swear i took notes on it uh they're probably somewhere just floating around the internet because the internet has everything but,
0: in the ether um, if you will
3: yeah not in the ether pad not in the yeah, ether pad just...
0: but in the ether maybe so, ligo uh, can detect <clears throat> them somehow
3: is that that oh, ligo oh that's the yeah i get it a particle accelerator thingy right
0: uh gravity the gravitational wave, wave detector, gravity? detector.
3: oh man come on
0: it just has laser beams
3: there's so many things out there is it gravity waves not not or neutrinos or whatever
0: no it's gravity waves it detects distortion gravity. of space-time yeah oh down to like millionths of a micron or something like that crazy millimeter There's
4: oh yeah a...
3: that's when the the black holes collided and they're like yeah. here it comes and they, did you like they have you where, did, where were you waves?
0: last week it was one of the biggest science announcements like in I've... our lifetime besides that we found out the universe is accelerating and you're like, oh, is that a, is that a collider? And the neutrinos yeah, have
3: mass. You know, I've been on this client project and okay, yeah. Okay, then you get a free pass. I've been, I've been rocking it. And You're uh, too far behind on your astrophysics. You know, you got to keep up with that daily because it changes like constantly. I'm sure gravitational waves will be used tomorrow to like. You know what else changes quickly?
0: Something. Wasn't the Grammys or something the other night? Something like that. Music awards or something yeah. of some kind. Then for the first time ever. This is the first time it's ever happened to me. Whatever one song of the year they said, oh, it was like you know, it was a big staple of last year and whatever. And I like looked it up and I played it. I've never in my life heard the song, what song never it? once. And it isn't even like it's not catchy. I don't get it, like because that's how old I am now that I no longer understand music. But that for the first year, for the first time ever. I don't e- I've never heard it. And that's how I know like, I'm getting old because I, I literally have never heard it. I feel like when my dad heard Nirvana and he's like, what's this? I'm like, oh, the guy died like four years ago. Like, Anyway, go ahead and tell us about ambient declarations. I just like the tangent about being old over here and yeah, being old, out of touch. I, I was trying to relate to you there about being out of touch.
3: You'll never relate to me. That's, that's what being out of touch is about. Um, <laughs> 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 so... <laughs> Anyway, yo, know, ambient declarations. So uh, ambient declarations are a way for people who use TypeScript to kind of declare the types of a JavaScript project or package or module that they're using so that they can bring typing information back into TypeScript from untyped sources. So um We were asked by one of our customers to go ahead and make ambient declarations or fill out our ambient declarations for Dojo 1 because they wanted Dojo 1 typings for their project. And um, that along with DGrid and uh, what was it? DStore, I think. Yep, DStore. They wanted us to make ambient declarations for all of them. And this is a really interesting topic because since... um, you're working with modules that aren't part of TypeScript. You you have this unique uh, situation where you can write ambient declarations for what you're doing, but it's really difficult to write ambient declarations um, when you don't have anything to compile against or test against. So um, definitely typed, which is a big resource for these ambient declarations or typings, um, recommends that when people write their ambient declarations, they go ahead and they write tests against them. And and tests aren't any formal type of tests. They just exercise the code in in the way that your ambient declaration is attempting to type your, your JavaScript code. And so what you do is you take the ambient declaration that has the typings, which is um, kind of like a header file, and then you compile it using, um, using TypeScript against your examples. And if it compiles, then that's considered passing to definitely type. And if it doesn't, then you got to go back and fix them, and the the problem there is there's a lot of really uh, bad dec- uh, ambient declarations there. There's tons of them, and it's really easy to do. Like it's not the developer's fault for writing bad declarations. If if you have a function that <clears throat> that happens to have an optional argument at the end, and you may take that optional argument, and you leave out the question mark and you actually make it required that becomes a real pain for people that that try to use your your typings in their project because they may be using it differently than what you validated against and it's just it's really easy to make them quickly become um not worth much to other
0: people so they're basically like jquery plugins is what you're trying to say That's a callback. That's a callback to a previous uh, show. Just, just, just point that. You, you seem like you maybe didn't listen to that one.
3: I never watch the shows.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't either. I listen to them though. (laughs) I don't watch. them He, he thinks this is a (laughs) call-in show that you watch on TV. Like I think he thinks he's on Conan right now. Is Conan still? I have a studio audience. Do you guys?
3: Do you guys not have a studio audience? Um, (laughs) I can get one. Yeah. That's that's at least you're
0: making one, on our, one right under- now, Neil, aren't you? Oh yeah. 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 I don't.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Finger, <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. My kids into JavaScript. <laughs> right.
0: Uh, no, I'm just gonna keep derailing you. I'm I'm like Donald Trump over here. That's another callback. Right, go ahead. No, it's okay. we'll, no, no, it's we'll get a studio okay. audience. No. We'll get a studio
3: audience for a hundred episode, which will be in the Bahamas. Yes, we already announced. This is true,
0: and we're gonna have like uh, we we'll sell previous. tickets to it, and you can come and be part of that. The
2: two Bahamian JavaScript developers will come watch.
0: <laughs> Aren't you one of them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
3: All right. So ambient declarations. The the big difficulty is it's really easy to write really bad ambient declarations, and it, a really bad one is just as simple as writing a, a an optional type parameter or something that just you know, doesn't work for, for somebody in their particular use case where it might be fine for your use case. And so what we, what we actually did to, to make sure our ambient decorations were good is I went in and we have a whole bunch of tests written, uh, against our dojo one code. And, um, I actually wrote a grunt, uh, plugin that would go ahead and, and reverse the AMD into ES6, um, style imports for, for everything. And then that essentially allowed me to make that that test or that series of tests into uh, TypeScript files. And so I kind of reversed our, our tests from AMD to, to TypeScript, uh, compiled it as TypeScript, and compiled it using the ambient declarations. So um, in the end, we, we actually had really good ambient declarations. and. Me and Neil and Kit were all working on this sucker, and we're pretty decent at Dojo, and we found lots of minor issues, like lots of those those little use cases where it would have made it less than stellar for somebody else to use this library. But thanks to having tests that we could reverse and compile against, it actually turned out to be pretty decent ambient declarations and a, a decent basis for us to to really verify um, the, the typings that we wrote where it's accurate as possible. So yeah, going forward, I, I figure TypeScript needs to really solve ambient declarations. They need to find a good way of, of really generating them um, from JavaScript files, because not everything's going to be JavaScript. And um, if you're on your own project, you can go ahead and write typings yourself and ambient declarations yourself against those, pro- those, um, those other projects. And supply those typings that are relevant to you, but for uh, package maintainers and, and libraries that want to release their own ambient declarations, it's it's really a bit of a struggle to to get it just right.
2: Well, even the format is is a little odd too. Like uh, I think it kind of manifests itself in one of my least favorite things, which is that for the most part, you can sort of namespace ambient declarations um, based on what you import. Um, but if you want to, uh, for example, type a variable, you have to use basically a global value. You ha- you have to use the fully resolved path to that class. You can't just uh, like if you Im- import uh, just th- just a single class from one of the ambient declaration files. Uh, you can use you can use that the value like if you create a new instance of it. And assign it to a variable it works just fine, but if you say that a variable is a certain type, you have to use the fully resolved namespace. Right? That's just one of the things, but it seems yeah. it's very it's very leaky.
3: Um, it's it's sort of a very very weird format. There there's a few challenges. You're right. Um, one of them is uh, when you're using any kind of uh, strings to import it, like you have a package structure, uh, like AMD typically has. Uh, or or almost anybody you you're gonna you're gonna want to write um, module definitions that that link back to those strings. So you're gonna declare those those strings. In our case, it's you know Dojo slash um, whatever it happens to be. So when you import them in TypeScript, it'll it'll bring in those declarations. And so when we were writing them, we found it useful to separate the modules from the namespacing, And that helped a little bit. So in, in in a case that somebody wants to bring in something and and s- type it directly to um, to the the namespace or or to the the um, instance of the interface they can certainly do that without having to bring in um, the module itself um, Some of those things help a little bit but yeah uh, the whole you have to use your full namespace is a bit annoying you can use an alias that helps but it's not a great solution either
2: but even the, ali- the I, you can't assign an alias to... As a type, like it, it doesn't treat the alias like a type, which is kind of a where I ran into a lot of problems. You have to use the fully resolved class at that point. You can create a new instance of it. It's just very the way that it the way that it differentiates between classes and prototypes uh, is very very odd uh, in terms of their typing system. And you can see uh, what's neat is that that TypeScript has. Uh, typings for all of its uh, object structures which we looked at a lot to figure out how we should kind of structure things and even there you can kind of see some of the weird games they had to play with assigning things to the constructor variable and assigning things to the the prototype variable uh, in order to get their ambient declaration system to work
3: yeah and and some of them are are a little wrong as well like their their usage of what a dom node is versus an I'm sorry, no, an HTML versus element versus an element versus an SVG element versus a node and where things like um, uh, children exist. And um, there was a few things that we ran into where things should have been on an element that weren't like SVG tends to be lighter. SVG element tends to be lighter than it should be. Um, Yeah. So even even they get it wrong. Typings are hard.
2: Very.
0: So that's all I had, Tori. Oh, thank you. Um, I was thinking of something witty to say about how hard it is to detect certain objects when they're lighter than you expect them to be. But then I thought you probably wouldn't get the joke. So I decided <laughs> not to not to go there. I'm a there. bit out of touch. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was just weighing my options there. Um <laughs> This is our astrophysics shaming episode. (laughs) Hey, that's one of the few things you can still shame about. (laughs) Um,
3: (laughs) Now, I heard we detected gravity waves in my defense. I just didn't hear what device we used.
0: I mean, to be fair, though, he also just looked that up when I said it. So (laughs) just like Nick did when he was doing his little segment there. So
1: (laughs) browser compatibility.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I was looking up email or something. Right, <laughs> Nick. Uh, why don't you uh, give us your bug of the week? Uh, yeah. Oh come on! He's, he's <laughs> like, wait, what? I don't. I can see it written right there. It I know that you know Nick. what you're gonna say.
3: Did Did you lose your notes too, Nick?
4: <laughs> yes. I did.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't write bugs, so it's kind of weird. Like you're forcing <laughs> me to do this. Um.
0: He, yeah. ha- he doesn't write them. He only fixes them.
1: Yes. Um. So I I was using. I, I'm working in a project that has. Uh, I think it's IE10 and up support, and so we, you know, we're using this really cool API on DOM nodes called class List, and it lets you easily add, remove, toggle classes uh, on that node, and it's really easy to work with. Um, there's so specifically the problem that I ran into was with the toggle method, which allows you to, if if the class is there turn it off, or remove it, if the class is not there, then add it, and you can, in some browsers, pass a second argument to it that allows you to kind of do a Boolean check, and if this is true, then make sure that it's added. If it's false, make sure that it's removed, so that you don't have to do like a um, ternary statement or anything like that, you can just uh, use toggle and pass an argument to it, uh, a second argument to it to force the class to either be there or not. And I spent a good, 10 15 minutes wondering why it wasn't working the way that I expected it to. And it ended up being a difference between false and falsy. And so, it, for the toggle's second method, uh, second argument to actually work, the argument has to be false and not falsy. So, in my case, I was just doing a check to see if something, a property existed, and it was returning undefined, which Normally would be fine, it would just be false in, in most cases, but it just saw me passing undefined as the second argument. So then it was just flipping the class when I was expecting it to turn the class off. So the class was on when I expected expected it to be off, and I thought I was going crazy for a long time until I
0: finally realized that. So. I, Were you working on a project with Neil? Because that could also explain why undefined wasn't working properly. <laughs> <laughs> I reassigned it. It was returning chicken. Undefined was on this project
1: for a while, so he probably did yep. do that before he left. I won't uh, noticed until
0: that's now. That's two things out there for the bug of the week for you people to to be aware of.
1: <laughs> so I got around this by using my favorite bang bang operators um, or two exclamation points to
0: convert it to. <gasps> Operator?
1: Yes. <laughs> I like saying bang. I don't know why. Um,
0: <laughs> Double excitement? Yes. Operator?
1: So, yeah. I just bang bang to that operator or that uh, second argument and then everything worked just fine.
0: Yeah, I talked about there's still things that, you know, are okay to say. <laughs> this one is right on that, that line that it might not be actually.
1: Are we still doing phrasing?
0: We're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. I I love it when you find something that should work completely normally and it's and it's not and takes forever to fix. That's well, this is why I, like like this is the 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 triple equal stuff.
2: I feel like it's a symptom of overuse of that. Like I don't know I don't know why you wouldn't let someone pass something that was falsy to that. That seems okay to me.
1: Well, in this case, how would you know, if it was if I was passing undefined, how would you know if I actually passed something that was falsy yeah. or if it was just because I didn't provide anything?
2: arguments.length What's that? arguments.length.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Well, there you go. Bam. Bang bang. You've been javascripted. <laughs> that's <true>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's good. That should become our, our little catchphrase. <laughs> you've just been JavaScripted. Bang, that's bang, you've new been l- JavaScripted. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> you've been physicsed. Okay. Uh, Nick, since you're already talking, wait, I'm talking, but you go ahead and start talking now. Um, why don't you get us to our, um, our discussion segment? You know, I just realized this morning that I should probably name these segments, something that has to do with code rather than just whatever random thing I came up with at the time when I'm like spotlight on, like that was just a totally a throwaway name that I was going to like, Oh yeah, we should come up with a better name for that. And I never did. Cause I'm, I don't do things I'm supposed to. Uh, or Sam I'm going to, and then I was like, you know, we need to put up with like a code-based, like, like something so we can really, so people understand this is a, you know, a show about code. Um, so, yeah. but you know, for now.
3: That's a lesson to all developers though, that temporary fixes last forever.
0: Yeah, this mm-hmm. is exactly, this is, this is, you know, that, you know what, that's a really good point. I, th- that was all just a, you know, this is all just a way of showing, you know, the real world effects an, of, you know. It's an object lesson. Yeah, it's an object Absolutely.
3: And now that we've talked about it and Tori's like, oh, I'm, I should change it. I Count think we just how many episodes, everyone, how long it lasts. I think we just created a new title,
0: Object Lesson. Yeah, there we go. Object Lesson. Okay, but for this one, um, this is going to be our ARGs section. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you get into that, Nick? What are we talking about? No. Oh uh, man! So last week, <laughs> I had week, notes for it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, notes for it, Yeah.
1: Last week we talked about uh, the the sad state of web development was was kind of the article that we were we we're talking about a bit, but it's you know the, there's a lot of JavaScript fatigue out there. There's a lot of argue, uh, articles being written about how it's tough to get into JavaScript now. It's so complicated with everything, um, and there's Things are just changing so fast, and a response to, to I will, I would like to think it was to our podcast. Yeah, um,
0: no, this definitely was. <laughs> they didn't mention it, but you know we know. Yeah,
1: totally. Um, there was a, a another article. There's one called JavaScript fatigue fatigue, and it's kind of talking about how people are feeling overwhelmed, but you shouldn't um, because you don't have to know everything and that sounds crazy to me why would you not want to know everything um but
2: we could name some things
0: (laughs) yeah i mean to sum up that article it was stop whining
1: yeah Uh. and then there was another article on top of that to stop whining about whining about it and
0: oh boy yeah this could infinite regression loop um yeah so what do you guys think
1: So what do you think after reading this article? Do you think that our complaining about it last week was?
0: Well, since I complained the most, I guess I could address that first. And because I like to talk over everyone, as was pointed out by someone listening to the show, um, I'll continue to not let them down. Was it your mom? It was your mom. (laughs) 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 I had it out of my car. So (laughs) why do you make me say these things? Um man so i think that there's uh, i think there's a difference a bit about people just idly complaining about it from the sense like i completely agree with the javascript fatigue fatigue article um in that you really don't need to keep up and know everything and that you know that's not a problem and if that's what you're complaining about that's not an issue so stop complaining about it because yeah, it's great that there's tools, it's great that they keep coming out and you don't have to use everything new. Um I think that the big problem is though it that's terrifying because how do you know if you're like like
1: one thing that I worry about is getting stale with things, like you know, using something for too long, getting comfortable with it and then not wanting to learn anything else or not or being too far behind uh a lot of things, like how do you it, it, especially since things are moving so fast in this in this but world, you're a competent
0: like, developer. I mean, you're true. You, yeah. you understand how this stuff Have works, told, and I think but... that's you know, I mean, I this is what I tell our customers when we, you know, they hire us is that you're a competent, you know, smart young individual. Nick does um, everything, is what we is what yeah, I tell people, I, yeah. And, and so, <laughs> you know, there's there's definitely, I think that if you understand how this stuff is, like it doesn't really matter, like, because your ability to ramp up on something and learn it. If, If it becomes necessary. Like it's not like something's gonna suddenly overnight take over the world and you will have missed it and everyone will suddenly know it and you don't, because that's just not how this stuff works, right? Like that's what happened with Angular. Yeah.
1: I was I was
3: kidding.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) um Don't don't learn Angular. You'll just get asked
3: questions and help desk stuff. Yeah, don't do that.
0: Well, so that's, nope. <clears throat> but that's the kind of thing is that, you know, I, I don't think that, I think that the idea that you have to be worried about suddenly falling behind and, you know, like, yeah, if you all you know is like how to do, um, you know, how to, if you're like at my level where you can hack together code and make it work, um, then you should probably be worried. Like if that, if you're, if your job is a developer, I'm not, my job is not to be a developer. So like I'm not worried about it, but definitely if that's what your job is, but you don't understand how this stuff actually works. You should probably be a little worried, but complaining that there's too much stuff because you are not, you don't understand it enough to be able to catch up quickly if you need to, um, that's a a bit silly. But what I was going to say though is that I think that, you know, my point of view on it was more that um, unnecessary creating all these tools unnecessarily isn't a problem in of itself, but that we're, a lot of resources and time, like man hours are being wasted on this. And that if people put it to good use, and I, of course, who's to say what good use is, but you know what I mean? Like if, if we were band together and create stuff together, instead of creating, you know, yet another framework, yet another toolkit, yet another plugin for this, um, and could work together more effectively, we could have even better tools. And, you know, it's, so it's not about, to me, it wasn't about, there being too many, it's just it's about wasting the re- the time. And it would be nice if we didn't have to, if people didn't have to waste time writing it all, and if people didn't have to waste time researching it all and figure out which one of the seven to use. You know, we could all get more stuff done faster. Sure,
1: but and I think that one problem, like, like, I agree that you can come up to speed with something. You know, I'll use a probably a real framework name, but a fake one, dumb JS. You can come up to speed with that really fast. Um, but you're not, you're still not going to have the experience of, you know, how would you put together, like, how would you architect an application using dumb JS and, and, you know, having going, having, you can't really do that without having built something that's reasonably large and run into the pitfalls that exist there. And I think that it's, it's tough to like, you know, if you're looking for a job, it's, it'd be tough to, a lot of job um, descriptions talk about specific tools and you know 10 years of of uh react experience and things like that like it's
0: (laughs) five years of dojo 2 experience (laughs) yes that was a real job post so yeah it was uh, a job post said that you have to know site pen and dojo 2 and this was like three years ago you had to have like five years of experience with it i'm like (laughs) how do you know site pen and dojo 2 that's wonderful I was like, I don't even think I'm qualified for this job. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that was about?
2: Brian Forbes knows Cypen. I, I think that's he's the only one.
3: Yeah, he's the only one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think my opinion on on a lot of this is, uh, everything comes back around. Like a lot of stuff has already been solved, whether it's been solved in Java or it's been solved in some other language set. A lot of it's been solved, and it's coming back around again and rearing its head in JavaScript now. And so, as long as you understand these fundamentals, and as as you were saying, you've had exposure to a very large project. Um, it, it, everything kind of comes, it, it, you know, full circle. It's like, you know, this is how you set up a, a stable architecture for a, a a rich internet application that is of any scale, you know. And you can just take this what you've learned and apply it over and over again, regardless of the framework, regardless of the language. Um, There's some learning that needs to be done there, but when you go from Java's annotations to now TypeScript's decorators, um, there's not a whole bunch of difference, except you can see that Java has an inversion of control on their annotations because they can't do anything.
0: I think you're losing the audience here. Nobody knows Java. (laughs) What are you talking about? You keep saying Java, but you may keep not saying script. I'm so confused. We're deprecating this segment now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.
3: Um. Yeah. So, like, you know, what you're learning in in JavaScript or Java, what you've learned before, or what you're learning in like Go, like you can for the most part take that and go forward with it, and come up with solutions.
2: I think there's a bunch of stuff that he actually goes over in this article that I really like. I mean, for me personally, I think the biggest thing is that you can learn a bunch of stuff without having to use a bunch of stuff, and I kind of. Th- uh, so like one of the bullet points he has here is, um, he says, stick to things you don't understand. Don't use more than one to two new technologies per project. So well, like that's edit- impossible. Yeah. That's but good. I, <laughs> that's no. just in terms of what, where I see, I think the thing that stresses people out the most is that, that there are people that use a ton of new technologies every new project that they start.
0: And that's, I and mean, that's has midway through when a new cha- one comes out. And they're like, oh, well, I guess we should be using that one now, even though what they have works. Like, that's just a bad idea. Like, of course,
2: of course, you're going to get fatigued if you try to take every single new project. And instead of just like reading, giving it it, like, you know, giving an hour of your time and just kind of figuring out what it does good and what it does bad, trying to actually use it on a new project is is crazy. Like, you know, he recommends kind of doing doing exploratory projects if you want to figure it out, you know, just do your little to-do MVC app and and see what you think of it, if, if you really, really care about it. But, but man, putting it into code that's going to go into production, it's just a recipe for uh, heartburn.
1: Sure, but even stepping up and, and wanting to learn something new, it's like, oh, yes, I want to learn this new tool, and every single example I find is written using um, TypeScript, or, yeah, TypeScript. So, oh, I don't know TypeScript very well. What does that do? Now I have to go look up this stuff, and then you go look up. You you just go down these these rabbit oh, holes, look. and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just it's tough, and it's tough to not in, introduce a thousand new tools every, or a thousand new unknowns to you every time you're trying to learn something, just because
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's there's so much to it all the time. Well, I, I think that when I, it, yeah you could also come I down totally, to using oh, something
0: when it when it benefits you, like you don't need to do it just cause exactly. it's new, but what's, is there a, is there a benefit to using it? Even though you don't understand it, like, you know, if it's compelling enough then it's worth the time, if it's so not, you can feel then, smarter but, than everyone. That's the only reason I already do. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I totally talked over you.
3: No, it's okay. I, I was just saying, I was, I was going to agree with Nick that the complexity of starting with a new, uh, framework or language it, it can be really up there. Um, you know, my, I have templates set up for starting, kicking off projects in IntelliJ, and one of them is for TypeScript, and it's 24 files long. It includes my project JSON, it includes Grunt, it includes TSDs and typings and a whole bunch of stuff, and that's before even adding uh, Dojo 2 and, and all those other things to it, which I have another template for. Uh, it includes intern and things, so there, there's certainly additional things there that you don't necessarily need to start with, but to just... Learning a new language or learning a new framework and learning how to
0: test it and build it, it is daunting sometimes. Yeah, that's why you don't create a production app out of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that maybe there's a bit of a difference too when you're you're like us and you're doing consulting, and you know we go into situations where you don't have control of those things. You know, if yep. you're brought in and they've made this decision that we're using these tools, well, we have to be able to come in and very quickly ramp up and get going on it. Um, but if you're you know, in in a company, and you're you're working on you know an app, or you're you've joined a company, or you're building a new one from scratch. Like, there's nothing forcing you to use a whole bunch of unfamiliar stuff. And again, if the features of those things are compelling enough, then it's worth it to budget some time to learn them properly and, and do that right. So,
1: if you were starting, like, if if SitePen was going to create a product tomorrow. And we we're going to write it like it was all going to be in JavaScript and and everything, or maybe it would be TypeScript. But I guess we would have to figure that out, right? Would we want to start with? Well, we would probably not want to be writing ES5 code for anything that we start new, right?
3: Probably, yeah. It, probably not. Yeah. So
1: we like, and let's say that we don't have a whole lot of experience with with um, Babel or. or yes, next or, or TypeScript. And we, we, but we know that that's, you know, if we want to make this future proof, we want to start implementing new features of that language. Well, now we have to just start going down this rabbit hole of learning how to get to that starting point. Like you can't just start with, with yes, six right now you have, you have to build up to it with all of these different dependencies and tools and everything. And it gets, there, there's a lot of complexity to it and it's, it's exciting. I think, like, when it comes down to it, I enjoy it. But things that I like, I just want to get started a lot of times. And it, you just have to go down this rabbit hole of constantly. Well, that's why we're
0: going to put you in charge of determining all those things. And you go down those <laughs> rabbit holes. And then everyone else can just start. Like, right. once well, you figure it all is. out.
3: That's what a lead is for on a team. Right. Like the lead figures out all those terrible things and then gets buy in from team members and says, hey, this technology is good. We've looked at these things on it. I really think we should do this for our new greenfield, or we should transition to this from, you know, our old JavaScript projects like, hey, you know, we could throw off the shackles of ES5 and and you know, join the glorious, you know, realm of ES6.
0: He's has been listening to the Revolutions Podcast. It. You hear that? Throwing off the shackles, <laughs> a glorious realm. You've been listening, haven't you? Revolutionspodcast.com. You have. I, are you think, feeling the burn? Yeah, <laughs> I am feeling the burn. I think this kind of
2: shows kind of the confounding variable of this whole discussion, which is I've been trying to, as we've been talking, I've been trying to think of uh, a recent experience that I had, and I finally nailed it down, uh, and well, we worked with a client on fixing some of their memory leak problems in the app, uh, so they had, they had an app that like uh, would display a new dialogue and then hide the dialogue, and that dialogue had a lot of new widgets, uh, and then one of the things they weren't very familiar with is how to prevent memory leaks, right, And uh, one of the things that that our widget system uh, called Digit uh, has as part of its lifecycle is kind of a teardown uh, of all of the new widgets that might have been created as part of uh, something being displayed. And it's one of those things where if you had uh, bought a book about Digit and sat down and read through the whole book, there probably was a section about how to properly manage teardown of widgets, right? Um, and a lot of what people are, are doing with these new technologies is that they're not buying the book and sitting down and reading it. They're getting started and figuring it out as they go. And that's, I mean, I think that's what is creating a lot of the fatigue and is creating a lot of the problems that people are running into.
3: It, is that so bad, though? Like, if, if you have a good test it's suite not, behind it's you... It's not terrible. Yeah, I, I mean, if you have a good test suite behind you and you're really willing to write those tests and, and you have good or decent monitoring of your application and you get information back from what's happening in production, you can make these decisions hopefully on the fly. And I know that's not everybody. Um, You know, sometimes large clients or enterprises tend to move slower (laughs) on those things, or sometimes, you know, scrappy businesses don't have the time and they want to focus on other things. But in general, you know, it really protects you. It wraps, it wraps like a little safety, uh, Wraps bubble wrap around your app and uh, kind of protects you from bad things happening.
2: I guess what I'm saying is like a little bit of upfront learning is is important for this kind of stuff. I think that there are people that get started with no upfront learning, right? They they immediately start copying and pasting as the first step of their application, and I think that uh, that can lead to huge source of stress as you're trying. You're you're always acting reactively. You're not uh, ever. You're not ever sitting down and planning things out based on, uh, you know, an hour or two of learning.
0: Well, I guess that just goes to then though, who are the people who are the loudest about this and the most complaining about this actually, um, just a really, really vocal minority. Um, you know, cause it's, it's exciting to, I don't know, share a tweet or, you know, an article about something that's just like, you know, salacious or, you well, know, I've been, contrary. I've been, I've been bitten by it too. I mean, uh,
2: one of the projects I did a couple of weeks ago was uh, using DGrid, which I haven't messed with in, in at least five years. And it took me longer than I should have um, because I took the approach of kind of thinking that I could just forge ahead uh, with with fairly minimal learning. Because you know, really, I would have had to sit down for you know eight hours to to really go through things with the level of depth that I needed to go into, which is probably about how long it took to figure things out after I messed them up to begin with. Uh, But I think I think it speaks to, like, for me, that speaks to how it would have been a lot better if I had sat down and uh, really tried to have have a good handle on it before I started. And I think it's some of its hubris. Uh, and some of it's just wanting to get started. But I think it's something that, that is is a tendency in most developers to try to forge ahead without
0: having I'm a really firm grasp on what you're doing. Yeah. That's definitely it might have been my experience.
2: So yeah, it's it's hard to keep that under control, you know? Um I think the part of the article is kind of uh life advice, like things that you should write on a sticky note and put on your on your screen, because everyone can fall prey to them.
1: Yeah, and I think I was conflating two different concepts earlier with um you're, you're you guys are absolutely right if we were starting a project you know the lead or you would have you do enough research in the beginning to to get up to speed so that not everyone's wasting their time on it and I was conflating that with the idea of me going home and trying to learn something new on my own I have this you know beautiful vision of going and and trying to learn some tool and then I only have you know a couple hours in my free time to do that. And by the time I get done with that, I've only learned a tiny bit because I had to stop and go down this rabbit hole and then go down this other rabbit hole just to get back to, you know even if I'm following a tutorial, getting that tutorial to work sometimes. Yeah. Um, that was the case uh, with the object rest spread operator uh, in ES6. Yeah. I was trying to get that to work and it totally didn't. And I spent an hour trying to figure that out. And then I realized, oh, it's just an extra Babel plugin that I had to... In, but I had to stop doing everything to learn that, and then could get back down it. So it's, and, and then by that time I was exhausted and gave up anyway.
3: But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, whose fault is that though? Like it's Nick's is it, fault because he can't it, read. It, it can't all be yours. I mean, the the tools didn't report that information to you, really, did they? Or if they did, it wasn't it wasn't it, like Nick. You probably should look for a plugin for this. I don't understand it. Yeah, and. And was there examples online that really, that, was there a Git repo you could download and just use it?
1: That's what I was actually working from was a Git repo. And I, I was using that, um, it, or I guess it was more of a gist, really. It didn't have any of the dependencies. If it had the dependencies, I would have been fine. Yeah. But um, that goes to the, the problem of I was trying to learn uh, a new framework, but I was also using ES6 uh, and I like I hadn't seen the object or the, the spread operator used in an object before like that. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And it worked in their example in this YouTube video I was watching, but it wouldn't work for me locally. And I had, yeah, you know, so it, it was a problem of me learning, trying to learn more than one thing at a time. And you know, yeah. It, yeah. in the end I succeeded, but it, it was, it just slowed me down significantly.
3: And I think that, that's frustrating. Yeah. 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 That is. Yeah. One of the things that I think, um, Angular did well is is they had a dearth of documentation, materials, and examples that you could check out and get going right from the start. And um, I think that helped its, pick up its popularity um, very quickly. So yeah, when, when you're a new developer or new to a language and you're trying to do something like that and the documentation doesn't exist or there's not an example repo, um, it just makes it that much harder and more prone to failure and less likely to get adoption in, in in as a result
0: yeah that's true so we are going to do an episode now about fatigue 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 next time <laughs> i'm up for that i i'm going to be a bit tired for that <laughs>
1: I just want to say that it, it while it can be tiring and frustrating it's still fun like learning is always fun and it's it can be challenging and it's more fun sometimes when it is challenging and we're not going to get around that I guess we should just be thankful that now the language is making it uh, the language in the ecosystem are making it super challenging to make it more fun I guess that's the the end goal right
2: yeah I think a lot of it's just setting expectations I think. <clears throat> I think expectations have kind of changed, and I mean that's what the JavaScript fatigue stuff is about, right? Is people are basically saying like the the way that I expected things to be has shifted a pretty significant amount over the years, and but I think that once you get your head around it, that yeah, you can start having fun again. Like I'm gonna when I want to learn this new thing, I'm probably going to uh, spend a bunch of time figuring out uh, how to even get it set up, right? Like as once that becomes an expectation and it's not so terrible anymore it's kind of thinking that you're not going to have to that, that can be a little rough
1: this is how i end up with 10,000 projects that i never finish though that's <laughs> well, fine
0: yeah i mean in in design too like there it's the same this kind of thing exists already you know like it's it's the same sort of thing and at some point you just kind of go well you know i i have the things that I like and the things I dislike and I'm going to choose to spend more time learning about the things that I like and yeah like I'm not going to be a great icon designer because I really don't have the time or inclination to do that so I'll just use someone else's you know I don't know same same sort of stuff exists uh, in every aspect it's not just JavaScript it's just it feels like maybe it is expectations that over you know people now got used to it being one way and freak out now that it's changing to be more like how it is in most other languages like sure you know or at least uh, as as uh paul said on the last time that other languages that went through this already and came out the other side so they may not be like this anymore but they've all gone through this yeah. stage so it, it'll well,
3: javascript's been there you know when's the last time you used a win statement or when you use the a wall loop arrow operator like never if you if you if you're really excited about learning something new all the time, um, pick up Douglas Douglas Crockford's JavaScript: The New Parts and find out how many things you don't want to use, and then apply them to like what you're learning. Like, is it is it going to stay around? Is it bleeding edge? Are you learning it just to learn it, or is it just like, you know, something you're excited about, or is it just like the new thing that you're trying to pick up? And I think that that's gone over in the article as well. Is like gives things time before you you pick them up for at least for production yeah,
0: yeah. It's, it's wait for critical like, mass yeah it's like moderation yeah. you know like it's just like dessert or heroin or you know other things <laughs> like just moderation it's just all that matters you know, heroin's a serious thing we shouldn't be laughing at that guys that was not funny so is sugar i hear lots of bad things about sugar i hear great I'm things with you about there. sugar i would i would literally die without it <laughs> do we need to have a you just got biologied <laughs> <laughs> all right guys uh well that's going to do it today for our show thank you so much and nick thank you for losing the recording midway <laughs> through this it's going to be fun now to edit this together um so i'm calling you out because that's what we've done all all show so thank you guys go ahead nick I'm say something i'll record it
3: for you in solidarity nick
1: thank you i appreciate okay. that
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right bye guys oh yeah and everyone thanks for listening i never say that i always should say that and check us out sitepen.com on twitter at sitepen um on facebook and i think we're on google plus also but no one else is so
2: and then what's our what's our catchphrase?
0: you just got javascript dude oh did JavaScript? JavaScript? i that's like twitter that that's the new catch oh that's oh yeah that's model. the new no it. no
3: don't don't ruin it it's perfect. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> um
1: send us questions send yes. us uh, topics things that you're interested in hearing us rant about or
0: or things or, you're not interested in here tell us what you don't want to hear also like yeah. you could just say that too. we'll talk about them yeah yeah and we'll talk what do you about want me them? to look up on the floor <laughs> what do you want me to look up yeah it should be just less- this, this show's going to be renamed Nick Using <laughs> Google. <laughs>
2: Let me Google that for you.
0: <laughs> and we're going to have a Bing versus Google uh, Bing off or something duck, duck, next go, time. Man. So we'll, we'll find out how to use Bing first. Because <laughs> well, don't, we, we don't like learning new things. To get so, started. One, two, so
4: we're two, three, Okay, thank you. To you Thanks, I was rolling down the window, cause I like to feel the wind blow. We got a good thing. Gonna see where the day goes. Take it fast, take it real slow. We got a good thing. small town